0: Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, DC Lundberg. Thank you very much, JM. I am indeed DC Lundberg, your eh, semi coherent host, I guess, for the day. This is Locked On Mariners, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you by Rock Auto. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any of the other programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners and follow me on Twitter as well at DC underscore Lundberg. That is L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G for those scoring at home. And if only you out there listening knew how many times I had to redo that. In any case, let's get back to our conversation that we had yesterday. Joining me once again to talk about the league leaders in 1994 and what their statistics may have looked like if the strike hadn't erased the last part of the season is Locked On Mariners contributor, John Millard. John, I sure hope that uh, you're not as out of it as I am today. (laughs)
1: Well, let's hope so. I'm glad to be here, D.C.
0: I'm really happy to have you here, especially so I can lean on you today and maybe do some of the heavy lifting. I don't know, but in any case, we are going to pick up where we left off yesterday. We started to kind of tease the RBI races in the American and National League at the end of yesterday's program. However, there was one piece... Of unfinished business that we did not get to. And it had to do with the American League batting race. In the projections, I had both Wade Boggs and Albert Bell hitting 350. However, they don't issue ties. If there is a tie, they go to the next decimal place to see who the true batting champion is. And Albert Bell's batting average, they both were at 350. Albert Bell was 0.3505. And Wade Boggs was 0.3502. So Albert Bell is your batting champion. And now to the RBI race. We'll, uh, we kind of started in the American League yesterday. Joe Carter was number two in the American League with 103 RBI. And with this projection I have, he's got 135. The leader was Kirby Puckett, who in real life had 112 runs batted in. And that was for a you know not particularly good Minnesota Twins team. In this projection... He ended the season on something of an RBI binge, as it were. He had 48 more in this projection. Even though his batting average and on-base percentage go down, his slugging goes up. His RBI total goes all the way to 160, John. That's incredible. It is incredible. You know, this is Kirby Puckett we're talking about, one of the most incredible players of the early 90s and late 80s. He hit 32 doubles in real life, and in this projection, he gains a brand-new career high in doubles – with 46, he gains 14 more.
1: This seems like it's turning into, or what would have been Puckett's best year, even though it's late in his
0: career. One of his best seasons, for sure he was actually very you know he was consistent and he had to he had to retire because of glaucoma. His skills were not eroding. he was still very, very good in the sample size. he hit three o three, which is beneath his season batting average of three seventeen that goes down to three thirteen however, his slugging percentage winds up going up by five points and for the season. I've got him now with 196 hits. So he is probably going to retain the American League RBI crown. Albert Bell was um, number three. Actually, Albert Bell and Frank Thomas were tied for number three. We spoke about them yesterday briefly. But I'll just bring them up once again. I've got Frank Thomas finishing with 146 RBI. And I've got Albert Bell finishing with 153, which is very, very near what Puckett did. And as a matter of fact, if Albert Bell were managed, would have managed to scrape together eight more RBI, with this projection, he's a triple crown winner. Because he leads in home runs, and he leads in batting average. He's missing the RBI crown. Any other season, this is an easy triple crown season, isn't it, John?
1: It certainly is. And that's that would be something else for the fans to cheer for, along with what we've already talked about with this. Have we talked about the home run race? We did, yes. Okay. And with what we've already talked about with the home run race and the new record is we've got a triple crown. We haven't seen one of those in almost 30 years.
0: Exactly, and something similar was going on in the National League, which we touched on yesterday, with Jeff Bagwell. Any other season, those are triple crown numbers. But Matt Williams was on a home run binge that year. He wins the home run crown. Tony Gwynn was Tony Gwynn. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it. I mean, t- one of the most incredible hitters in baseball history, he wins the batting title at over 400. He wins the batting title, even though Bagwell, I have him hitting 383 on the season, which is an enormous batting average, even for Tony Gwynn. He only has the RBI title in the National League. Any other season, it's an easy triple crown. It's, it's, it blows my mind, John
1: it really does and what we're unpacking here and we have yet to get to pitching right. is this could very well be the best season I mean, it's, you're hard pressed to come up with something with that much hitting in both leagues where records are being challenged and broken just all over the place
0: and the pitching the league leaders in pitching they were having very good seasons we will get to that tomorrow and As I'm thinking about this and as I was kind of compiling these numbers, I think it is a product of the recent expansion because there were a lot of pitchers in Major League Baseball at that time who were really, you know, AAA pitchers, but they had to be in the majors because Major League Baseball expanded two teams. And aside from the really top pitchers in each league, each league was filled with mediocre pitchers otherwise yeah that's
1: one of the as much as fun as it is to see new teams and if you've been in an area anybody listening because seattle's had a team for over 40 years and dc and i are not that old (laughs) but for anyone in arizona colorado miami tampa anything like that where you've had a team come in there Mm -hmm. it's great the, the feeling of excitement, we're about to be getting an NHL team here in Seattle for the first time. We've got a soccer team that's doing very well. We had a women's basketball team in here, still do. They've won a couple of championships. Mm-hmm. So the excitement that that brings in it is great. The CID community really rallies around that. But then the downside is the talent pool kind of gets diluted.
0: It does a little bit. And and in terms of, you know, bringing a lot of excitement, I don't know if that applies to Miami or Tampa Bay, you know, because they're not exactly uh, – I'm sorry, that's uh, that's – I almost said that's not fair, but it actually kind of (laughs) is. No, I shouldn't say that. In any case, uh, we're up on a break, so it's time for the Mariners trivia question, which today has nothing to do with 1994. It is, what is John Halama's middle name? Hmm. Answer following a word from Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to Rock Auto at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rock Auto's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airplanes do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the best brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com answer to the Mariners trivia question John Halama's middle name as referenced in one of the more famous Mariners television commercials that are out there, do you remember it John? I'm
1: tr- I picture the commercial I can't quite remember it
0: that's okay. He and John Olerud were trying to figure out which one of them got to have their name on the back of their jersey. They had a rock, paper, scissors competition, and Halama lost. So he put his middle name of Thaddeus on his jersey. His middle name is Thaddeus. More Locked On Mariners following a word from Built Bar. I've been talking about Built Bar for the past month, ladies and gentlemen, and by now you should know that they are delicious protein bars made with real chocolate that are low in sugar, low in calories, but high in protein. If you have not tried them for yourself yet, I implore you to do so by going to BuiltBar.com right at this exact moment. You can listen to the rest of the program while you're shopping. Please remember to use the promo code on to get $10 off your first order. And remember, you could put together a box of the flavors you'd most like to try or your already established favorites. And do not forget about Built Boost Drink Powder, which turns any ordinary bottle of water into a delicious, refreshing burst of protein. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order. Now time for the second half of Locked On Mariners. Once again, your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, J.M. Once again, this is the second half of Locked On Mariners, about to talk about the National League RBI race in 1994, projecting out the season stats of these players to try to figure out what may have happened if the strike didn't occur, didn't erase part of the season. With me to do that again is John Miller. John, uh, welcome again.
1: Thank you much.
0: You're welcome. I don't know why I introduced you again at the second half of the show. I don't ordinarily do that, but hey, I'm not here right now, so whatever. In any case, we are going to move on to the National League race, as I said, and the league leader was Jeff Bagwell, as we already discussed. Matt Williams was second. We discussed him last week, too, but just as a refresher course, I have... Bagwell, He hit 116 RBI in real life, and I have him with 176 for the season. So he has the major league lead. He's ahead of Kirby Puckett. Williams was second, and he hit 96 in real life, 20 behind Jeff Bagwell. And in this projection, I've got him with 146. So he's, he's easily in second place. Third place, John, was Dante Bichette with 95 runs batted in, just one behind Matt Williams and he was actually pretty consistent throughout this season his batting average and his on-base percentage and slugging are all going to go down but he had 36 more RBI to give him 131 on this season and i don't necessarily consider Dante Bichette much of a doubles hitter but with this projection he's got 45 doubles and 203 hits that's a lot john wow he had a lot of at-bats. He played pretty much every day for the Rockies. I think he only missed one game. So even with those 203 hits, he's only got a 300 batting average. I say only. But 203 hits, you think a guy's going to hit 315 or 320. He had 677 at-bats and 711 plate appearances. He only walked 27 times. So his on-base is... um And this is in my projections, the 677 at-bats, the 27 walks. These are all projected totals. In real life, it was 19 walks and 509 plate appearances. That's why he has a very high hit total in both situations, but not a necessarily high batting average. Uh,
1: This would put him right on par as far as hits with what he did in real life in 95, 96, and 1998. He does... I
0: mean, in 1992, Four, I guess was kind of a breakout season for Bichette 1993 may have been I'm going to get his career numbers up now just so we can talk about them a little bit yeah 1993 his first year in Colorado the first year in Colorado he hit 310 previously the the previous year in Milwaukee it was 287 304 in real life in 1994 and then in 1995 he leads the league in hits. He leads the league in home runs. He leads the league in RBI and slugging percentage and also total bases. And he hits 340. I projected out his 1995 numbers just kind of for the heck of it. And his batting average goes up. At the beginning of the season, he was on a tear and was hitting 372 in his first 18 games. So, for, for this 1995 projection, his batting average goes up to 344. His on base goes from 364 to 368. His slugging goes from 620 to 627. He gains six more doubles for a total of 44 and six more home runs for a total of 46. This projection also has him at 147 RBI and 226 hits. This is his career year right here, 1995.
1: That's incredible.
0: That is that is incredible. And he went on to lead the league in hits again in 1998 with 219 and a 331 batting average. I mean, he's kind of the poster child for the Coors effect. And maybe we'll get into his home and away splits at another time. Then when he went on to Cincinnati and Boston, he still hit actually pretty well in cincinnati and boston not necessarily as high a batting average but the slugging was was uh, w- was similar but let's get back to the task at hand and that is talking about the rbi race fred mcgriff was number four mike piazza number five and i have not projected out piazza but i did mcgriff he had 94 rbi in real life in 1994 and he was on an absolute tear to end the season. I've got him with 54 more RBI for a total of 148, and I've got him with 20 more home runs for a total in that category, John, of 54.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: This is a person that is so underappreciated. He hit 318 in real life in 1994. In this projection, I've got that going up to 331. 25 doubles in real life, I've got that going up to 33 135 hits. I've got that going up to 197. Nobody remembers this guy because he always flew under the radar. He was just consistent and people took him for granted. These are not my words. These are the words of Joe Morgan, the 1994 home run derby, which root sports recently rebroadcast because Ken Griffey jr. Won the event. But Joe Morgan is absolutely right. Even during that time, Everybody overlooked Fred McGriff, and he was one of the most consistent and reliable players of his era, and nobody talks about it.
1: You had briefly mentioned his home run totals. Where does that place him in the projected 1994 ranking?
0: Let's see, 54, uh, Williams 63, Bonds 61, Bagwell 60. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think four or five. Okay. Okay. So up there, he, fin- he finished with 34. Let's see where that uh, places him in the real-life standings. It actually places him fourth. Williams, one. Bagwell, two. Bonds, three. McGriff, number four. Andres Galarraga at number five. Kevin Mitchell is at number six with 30 home runs. And before we wrap up for the day, John, because it is getting to be that time, there was one National League statistic that I thought was pretty funny. And it has to do with Intentional walks. The league leaders in intentional walks, the top two guys may be very easily guessed. Barry Bonds led the National League in intentional walks that year with 18. Tony Gwynn was second with 16. There are two players tied at third with 15. And I will eat my left shoe if you can name who those who those players are, John. I'll give you one of them. One of them is Kevin Mitchell.
1: I'm not going to be able to name the second one.
0: no. Andujar Cedeno had 15 (laughs) intentional walks for tied for third of the National League. Andujar Cedeno, for crying out loud. It took me a while to... I, I thought about this, and I couldn't really figure out why he would have been walked intentionally so many times. But I think, John, and this is only a theory, this is the National League. He was a pretty good hitter. Maybe he hit eighth. Maybe he was a strong enough number eight hitter where nobody wanted to face him and they'd rather just face the pitcher. I don't know. But for this season, he hit 263. He drove in 49 runs um, at the bottom part of the order, nine home runs and 26 doubles, (laughs) and 15 intentional walks. It still blows my mind.
1: That is very surprising.
0: He had actually a better offensive season the year before where he played 149 games. He hit 283, 11 home runs, 24 doubles, and he's a shortstop. So these power numbers from a shortstop in this era are very, very good.
1: They are, and his home run numbers almost parallel what he did in 1996, but yes, in 96 he didn't have nearly as many doubles.
0: No, he only six doubles in 1996, but 10 home runs. That's a very odd statistic, and he hit .212. His strikeout total was on the high side for that era, especially for a middle infielder. And 1996, by the way, was his last major league season. I believe he went on to um, uh, foreign league at that time. In 1997, he did not play at all according to the baseball reference register but he may have been in a foreign league that uh, they don't know the statistics for he was in the chinese professional league in 1998 and in taiwan and then he came back to the new york yankees organization in 1999 and then two independent league teams um before a uh, automobile accident claimed his life at the end of uh, 2001 october 28 2000 is when he passed away in the dominican republic very interesting career for Andujar Cedeno and this is probably the only podcast that ever spoke in depth about Andujar Cedeno especially one not affiliated with the Padres or Astros
1: well we do delve into some interesting things on this don't we
0: I certainly hope they're interesting I think they're interesting I hope people out there find them interesting although there is a Mariners tie here because he is the brother of Domingo Cedeno who played briefly for the Mariners in 1999 see I just brought it around to the Mariners and that's why they pay me the big bucks ladies and gentlemen (laughs) I wish yeah (laughs) and on that note we're gonna call it a day John where can people find you on Twitter
1: I can be found on Twittersphere at SeattlePilot69.
0: Very good, sir. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. Actually, I we won't see you tomorrow since it's radio. My gosh. But you will be here tomorrow to speak about the pitching statistics that we kind of touched on earlier and previewed. In the meantime, please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app where you can hear my voice. Follow me on Twitter at DZ underscore Lundberg. Follow the show on Twitter at lo Mariners, L-O underscore Mariners. I will try to get my tongue fixed in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen. And please have a nice afternoon. That was horrible. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ask your smart device to play locked-on fantasy baseball upon the conclusion of this program.